but yesterday I was seeking the face of God for this service and I could not get away from what I'm going to do my best to preach to you today and I do feel like God has something to say to us today and I want us to have our hearts open and our minds ready to what the Lord is getting ready to do amen I feel like the miraculous power of the Holy Ghost is going to do something mighty in this room do you believe that God has come here for you today to do a mighty work in your life praise God Praise God. So if you have your Bibles, I would ask that you would turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, we will begin reading at verse number 1. And we'll stop around verse number 6. If you have it, shout amen. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of a love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself because he is pure whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law for the sin for the sin is the transgression of the law verse number five and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him in jesus there is no sin verse number six our last verse whosoever abideth in him sinneth not whosoever sinneth hath not seen him neither knoweth him for the next few moments with the help of the holy ghost i want to do my best to preach to you on this subject the path to the miraculous i do feel that god has showed me something on how we're going to experience the miraculous today would you lift your hands set your bibles down and would you ask that god would speak to us in the remainder of this service I'm going to ask that we would repent right now of anything that would be in the way of the word of the Lord falling on good ground right now. Would you lift your voices all across the house higher than your hands? Can your voices go unto heaven right now? Lord, I love you. Word, I'm thankful for what you're going to do in this house. Minister, Lord, in this place. Do a mighty work in this place. I humble myself before you, God, submit my will and my motives and my agenda, and I would ask that thy kingdom would come and that thy will would be done in this place as it is in heaven. Take dominion over anything that would be a hindrance against the remainder of this service, and I speak that the gifts of the Spirit would begin to flow in this house, God. We need signs to confirm this word following. Come on, that's it. I feel something stirring right here. In the name of Jesus, 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 Lord, let it be done in this house. Let it be done in this house. Let it be done in this house, oh God. Come on, just for a few more moments, can we entertain the presence of God? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it be done, oh God, as it is in heaven. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
If you believe God is going to do something great for you today, would you clap your hands and would you shout with a voice of triumph in anticipation for what he's going to do for you? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Please be seated in Jesus' name. The setting of what I want to preach to you today is found at the Last Supper. This setting is a time where Jesus has already identified Judas as the one that would betray him. He has given him the sop. And he looked at him and said, whatsoever you do, do quickly. It was in this understanding that Judas had to go and do what he was going to do because the Bible said that he had to be lifted up so that he could draw all men unto him. And so Judas goes as the son of perdition and does what it was said that he was going to do. He betrays Jesus and we find that after this moment that Christ, with the remaining disciples that are there, begins to give them some very important impartation before he is crucified. The things that he would tell them in these moments found in John chapter 14 are things that we find of the utmost importance in explaining the plan of salvation. We find that in John chapter 14, after he has told them that he's going to leave them for a little bit, he said, let your heart not be troubled. He said, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And this place that he is going to prepare, he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And he said, I'm going to this place and I'm going to prepare something for you. He said, so don't be worried about what I've just told you. He said, I have to go because another is going to come, the comforter. And he's telling them about this place that he's going. And I'm thankful that Christ is going and that he is preparing a place for us, a place of no more sorrow a place of no more pain, a place of no more depression or anxiety or sicknesses. But I'm dreaming of the place where the Lamb is the light. I'm dreaming of the day where the eastern sky parts and that last trumpet sounds and I get to go live beyond the blue with my Creator. I can't wait for the day that I'm called home to heaven. And he's telling him and Thomas looks at him and says, Lord, how should we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. And Jesus gives him this beautiful statement that many of us know. And if you haven't heard it before, I'm glad to be the first person to tell it to you. Because he looks at him and says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. That no man cometh to the Father lest you come through me. Can I preach to you today that the only way for you to get to heaven is you've got to go through Jesus Christ. You've got to go through Jesus Christ. 
Can I preach to you today the plan of salvation for just a minute? He said a little further down in that text. Uh, he said, I'm going to be in you and you're going to be in me. And we're going to be in the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. Uh, it's the understanding that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, you are not receiving a portion of a Godhead. Uh, because he said, greater works than these shall ye do. Uh, how can you do greater works? with a lesser spirit. No, I don't get a little bit of it. I've got God living on the inside of me. Can I preach to you today in John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus were having a conversation. Uh, he said, you must be born again of water and of spirit. Uh, Nicodemus, thinking through the lens of flesh, said, how can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? He said, you're thinking with the wrong mindset. Uh, he said, do you see how the wind blows where it listeneth? Uh, and now here is the sound thereof. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. Uh, that wind is the pneuma in the original. It's where we get the word pneumonia. It's where we get the word, the essence of the man, the breath that fills our lungs. He said the spirit would be the thing that fills you in the uttermost. I'm glad to know today that in the upper room, a sound came from heaven and it was that same wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, set upon them cloven tongues, likened as unto a fire. And they all, not one, two, three, or four, they all begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeneth, Brother Jordan. He said, and you're going to hear the sound. That word sound is phone. It means where we get the word language, phonics. It's where we get our language. Phone is, is language. So he was saying that the sound of the wind is going to be a language, but it's not going to be a language that you're used to or a language that you have heard before. He said in Isaiah 28, that with stammering lips and a new tongue, he will speak to this people. What people? You and I. So when you get the Holy Ghost and the wind begins to blow, there will be a sign. The sign that you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost is a heavenly language. It is the sound that God is living on the inside. Can I preach to you today? You must have the Holy Ghost. You got to have it. He said, I will be in the Father. He said, you will be in me. How do we get in him, Bishop? The only way we get in him is by baptism in Jesus' name. He said, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Wherefore, we have put on Christ. How do you put on Christ? In the covenant waters of baptism. That's why you must be born again of water. Baptism in Jesus' name. That is putting you in Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you were baptized in the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost, you got one thing right. You do have to be baptized. But no where in scripture was anybody baptized in the titles they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins you got to get in Christ 
He said, I'm going to be in you. How do I get Christ in me? He told Philip, he said, listen, he said, I will come unto you. Not another was going to come. He's going to come and live on the inside. And the way you get him on the inside is by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, the sign that you have received the Spirit is the language from heaven, stammering lips and a new tongue. It's the only way to salvation. And I love... That as you continue on in this journey after John chapter 14 and you begin to look in John chapter 15, he begins to talk about some things that are going to happen when you get into him. He said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He said, you must abide in me if you're going to produce fruit in the kingdom. You see, when we begin to think about the fruit that is produced, many of us automatically start going into people getting healed and people getting delivered and people getting set free. But the only fruit talked about at the Last Supper was this love, joy and peace. Can I preach to you just a little bit? When the Holy Ghost comes and lives on the inside of you and you are an attachment to the vine, He is the vine and you are the branch. When you are in Jesus, it'll change you and some fruit will begin to be produced in your life. My great-grandfather, my great-grandpa Morgan, I called my grandpa last night because I wanted to be sure that I told you this story correctly. My great-grandpa Morgan was a drunk. He was a hard man. He was a man that loved to fight. He was a man that was angry and that was bitter. People hated to be around him. My grandpa told me that my great-grandfather, he would beat my great-grandmother. He was an abusive man. My grandpa told me, he said, one time I tried to stop my dad from, from beating on my mom. He said, he turned and began to beat me. He began to hurt me. He began to, to turn on me because he was an angry man. He was known as the town drunk. He was a man that smoked a lot of cigarettes. Uh, he was an alcoholic. He was addicted to nicotine. Uh, and at this point, he said, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, had already received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And she began to pray that God would move upon him. Uh, he said, and one day, he was a plowman. He was out plowing the field uh, for a corn harvest. Uh, he said, and he was out there and my great grandpa tells the story that that he heard the voice of God tell him he needed to repent and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost but my grandpa was a stubborn man Bishop he was a he was a hard man no he didn't want to listen to anybody he said my, that he ignored the voice of God uh, he said and he just kept on plowing and kept on going he said and he heard the voice of God speak to him again you've got to repent uh, and receive the Holy Ghost he said and I ignored it again and he just began to tell me the story about my great-grandfather how he ignored the voice of God twice he said but the third time he didn't speak to him he said something hit him so hard he fell off that tractor he said and the next thing I know I was rolling around in the dirt in the middle of Missouri he said I repented of my sins and the Holy Ghost filled me in the middle of a cornfield let me tell you, it'll find you on the street. It'll find you on the job. It'll find you when you're in the guttermost. It'll find you if you're rich. It'll find you if you're poor. It'll find you at the Holy Ghost is what you need. 
As my grandfather was continuing to tell me the story about my great grandfather, he said he just kept on speaking in tongues. He said he finished his day's work speaking in tongues. He said he came back home that night. He said, and he walked in the house, my grandpa says, and he was still speaking in tongues. He said he went and grabbed his month's supply of tobacco and he threw it in the fire. He said, I don't need that anymore. He said, and then he went to the fridge. He was still speaking in tongues. Grabbed the beer out of the fridge and he threw it away. He said, because when God got a hold of him, he said he wasn't angry anymore. He wasn't bitter anymore. He wasn't mad anymore. He was full of the gift of the Holy. There's some fruit that gets on the vine when you get the Holy Ghost. There's some peace, some love, some joy that will find you if you get a hold of God. And because my grandfather was raised in such a, a home of such an abusive man, my grandfather was also the town drunk. And he said, I like to party. He said, at the age of 19, he said, he said, I was also a very mean man. He said, I like to party and I like to drink. He said, I drank all night Saturday. He said, and I sobered up. He said, because mama and daddy made me go to church Sunday morning. He said, so they sobered me up in time to get to church on Sunday morning. He said, I didn't want to be there, but they forced me to be there. He said, I sat in the back. He said, and a man, the preacher walked up to me. He said, do you know that God loves you? He said, and that resonated with him. And he went home that night. He said, and he thought all about it after that morning service. He said, I'm going to go back to church Sunday night. He said, my great grandparents were shocked because grandpa absolutely did not go to church on Sunday night. Just when they forced him to, he said, and I went to church that Sunday night. He said, and I went to the left side of the altar because that's where the women were praying. He said, and, and I just knew I could hide over there and nobody would really bother me. He said, and next thing I knew when I got down to that altar, he said, the Holy Ghost hit me upside the head. He said, and all I knew is a little while later, I come to and I was still speaking in tongues. He said, I went home. I threw out my alcohol. I quit smoking three packs of cigarettes a day and I became a man. And let me tell you something, that city caught on fire in revival because men that were angry and that were bitter and that were mean became loving and peaceful and joyful. There's something about the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like the Holy Ghost. It'll get a hold of you. It'll change your life. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He said, I'm going to give you a peace. And watch what he said when he said, I'll give you the peace. He said, the peace that I give you. He said, it's not like what the world will give you. He said, I'm going to give it to you. Because when God gives it to you, the world can't take it away. But when the world gives it to you, the world can also take it away. He said, I'm going to give you real peace and I'm going to give you real joy and I'm going to give you real love. The only other thing he talks about in the Last Supper, he says, don't be offended at the world. He said, I told you these things so that you would not be offended. He said, because I was not offended. You have to understand that the only thing that you need on your vine is love, joy and peace. He said, that's what happens when you are in me and I am in you. You're going to bear some things. 
And when you have love, joy, and peace, you can walk into a world like our world right now that doesn't have any peace, that doesn't have any love, that doesn't have any joy. And when they see a blood-bought, born-again, heaven-bound believer that steps into a room that everybody else is in fear and everybody else is in turmoil and everybody else is in worry and doubt and they see you walking in with a smile on your face, peace in your spirit, joy in your step, and love in your attitude, they'll say what's different about you and that's when you can adequately minister. Let me preach to you for just a little bit. God intends for us to have love, joy, and peace on the vine. God intends for us to have fruit. As a matter of fact, he said, if you don't bear fruit, he said, I'll remove that and I'll throw it into the fire. That's what the word says. And you see, we begin to look at these things and we see the world the way it is right now. There is no love. There is no peace. There is no joy. There is no gentleness, no meekness. There is none of these things. Let me tell you, can I preach to some of us today? We've got to get back to being in Christ Jesus. Because he said, in me, if you will abide in me, you will have these things as a byproduct of your divine connection and relation with me. Can I tell you the only thing that will separate you from God is sin. The Bible makes it very clear. The Bible says in Genesis 3 that when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the, good, the, of the tree of good and evil and they ate the fruit and they sinned and they fell, the Bible says that they removed themselves from his presence when he came walking in the cool of the day. That's what the word of the Lord says. Why did they remove themselves? Because they saw themselves in fleshly manner for the very first time and they were ashamed of who they were and what they were. And the Bible says that they took fig leaves and made them a garment or a small covering because they were so ashamed of their fleshly nature. Sin is the only thing that will make you look through the lens of self-doubt and make you think less about yourself than God ever intended for you to think about yourself. Because when you look through the lens of sin, you see the carnality and the flesh that you really are. But when you look through the lens of salvation, all you can see is the blood redeemed me, the blood changed me. The blood made me who I am. What I used to be, I am no more. God never intended for his people to go without peace and to go without joy and to go without love. And the reason that we do is because we have disconnected ourselves from the vine. When you're not connected with him, you have no love and no fruit and no joy. And God always intended for those that abide in him to have those byproducts of divine connection. And so you see what Adam and Eve do. They fall. They make their mistake and they remove themselves from his presence. And that's what we do. That's called condemnation. It makes you feel like you're not good enough. Let me help you with something. None of us are good enough. None of us have ever been good enough. That's not the point. The point is, is that we tried to be good enough and we never worked. It never worked out. And so Christ said, I, or God said, I will robe myself in flesh and I will come to humanity. He said, and I will be the scapegoat so that you can go free. He said, because in me is no sin. I am perfection. And because there was no sin in him, when he went into the grave, death looked at it and hell looked at it and said, what do we do with a 
body that has no sin? What do we do with a person that has no fault and has no failure? And then the apostle wrote, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? For the strength of sin is the law. And, oh, God, when you're in Christ Jesus, it has no power over you. You need to be walking in joy and love and peace. Let me tell you how we're going to have an impact on this world. When we start showing ourselves with the fruit of the Spirit on the vine. Because when you walk into a world that is lost and hurting and broken, and you got a smile on your face. What's different about you, child of God? Let me tell you about the man who bought me, who saved me, who redeemed me, who made me whole, who changed my life, who made me new again. The Bible says, John chapter 3. I believe it's somewhere around verse number 23 or 25, somewhere through there, that John was in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. That word Anon means springing. Salem, it means peace. I want you to look at this for just a moment. Anon is springing. Salem is peace. That's where you get the word Jerusalem. That means peace. It is the place of peace. That's where God intended for peace to be. Where do you find John at? At the place of springing peace. And watch, the Bible says there was much water there. The water is type and shadow of the Spirit. Where there is water back in that day there was life when there was water back in that day there was fruitfulness when there was water back in that day there was a hope of a harvest hear me when you find yourself in peace there's always a hope for a harvest because there's much water when you're in the place where peace springs up and he said I am the prince of peace so when you're in him you are in a place of divine peace nothing can take your joy nothing can take your happiness nothing can take your solitude I'm here today to preach to somebody. It's not the will of God for you to be in fear. It's not the will of God for you to be in anxiety. It's not the will. No, the will of God is for you to abide in peace. But peace is in him. Peace is in him. You have to stay divinely connected to him to operate in the fruit of the spirit. Because when you operate in the fruit of the spirit, that's when things begin to happen. You'll walk into a place and they'll see the fruit. And they'll say, what's different about you? And you'll be able to adequately minister by who you are divinely connected to. John 15, 16, the Bible says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That's why I don't have any time for this whole accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. Like you get to choose Him. That's not what the book says. The book says He chose you. And if He chooses you, that means He ordained you. That word ordained literally means brings you into covenant with Him. He brought you into His covenant. He chose you so that you could go forward and bring forth fruit. 
Love, joy, peace, meekness, long-suffering, temperance, watch. Against there is no such law. Because when you're in Him, you're in joy. And the world can't take it. When you're in Him, you're in peace. And the world can't take it. When you're in Him. Let me help you for just a minute. You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And watch that your fruit should remain. God doesn't intend for every wind of the world to take your fruit. And I'll tell you where we get to. When we don't abide in him, every little wave in the world will rob you of your peace. Because he said there are little foxes that are trying to spoil the vine. And so you get a little current. Well, Russia's doing this and the great bear that. And we start hearing about a new variant. And we start worrying about the new booster. And, well, they're vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. Well, they've got a mask. I don't have a mask. Well, I'm afraid to do this. And I'm and God's saying, if you were in me, you would just be walking in peace, love, joy, long-suffering, temperance, meekness. God does not intend for you to be in anxiety and in fear and in worry. And in trepidation, he intends for you to walk in the boldness of who bought you, who redeemed you, who saved your soul. And brother Jordan, when you're in him, when you're in divine connection with him, you'll be walking around. And people will see your fruit. And when they see your fruit, the Bible says that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name. What does it say? Say it. If you know how, come, somebody read that for me. He may what? He may give it. Some of y'all said to you. He said he may give it. Why would he give it you? Because you're abiding in him. And when Jesus walked up to the lame man, he didn't say, well, hold on, let me go get the deacon. No, he knew who was abiding in him. Oh God, you got to help me. And he could walk in peace in the middle of drunks and broken hearts. He could walk in the middle of demon-possessed folks. He could walk in the middle of Rome overtaking the city that he called home. He could, And he could just say, nothing's going to trouble me. And he would say, you get up. You be healed. You be delivered. You be set free. And he intends for you to walk in the same peace. And when you see an issue... He may give it you because you're in him. And so when there's a need, the answer is you. Not you, but whose name you came in. You look at what he was praying in John chapter 17. He said, Lord, I have glorified thy name. And when you do it for the glory of his name, he can't help but move because the father is getting the glory and you're in him. And when you're in him, you can look at somebody that has an infirmity and somebody that has a sickness and with complete peace and with complete love and with complete joy and with comp you can walk up to them and say, by the power of the word of God and by the authority that's in the name of Jesus, be healed. That's what God is trying to bring us to. 
You look at Peter and John when they go in and, and, and to the hour of prayer. They walk by the man that was lame, right? Acts 3. What's the first thing that they tell the man that was lame? The first thing he said was, look right here. We go straight to the silver and gold. But that wasn't the first thing that he said. Sister, he said, look right here. Because they understood in who they came from. They understood by whom they were empowered by. And so they looked right at him and said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and and the man was healed right then. He got up and he started walking. Why? Because two men understood who they were. And they weren't going to let the trouble of the moment shake their... My God, there's so much anointing in this room. There's so much power in this room. There's so much miraculous working trying to take place. God just needs somebody to take your seat in Him. And when you get in Him, you can operate like He intends for you to operate. Let me tell you what He told him. He said, I will withhold from the servant but I will not withhold from a friend. That's what he said. He said, a servant doesn't know what the Lord is going to do. He said, but the friend, he said, I will reveal unto him all things. And when you're a friend of God, he will begin to reveal to you secrets of the city that other people can't see. Watch, I'll prove it to you. Abraham, should I hide this thing from him that I am going to do? And he couldn't. Because Abraham was called what? The friend of God. And because Abraham was called the friend of God, he said, Abraham, I'm going to do something over here with Sodom. I just wanted to check with you and kind of let you know what we're going to do over here. And him and Abraham had a little bit of a conversation. He said, please, save it for 50. Save it for 45. And he just kept going down until the righteousness was brought out. And when righteousness is there, that's a city worth saving. Hear me, as long as this body is on this earth Palm Bay is a city worth saving and God wants to reveal some secrets to you God wants to show you how you can win your job how you can win your neighborhood how you can win your family let's become the friend of God the only way it's going to happen is if we abide in him When we abide in Him, He'll reveal some things to you so that you can operate according to the will of heaven. You'll start doing what God intended for you to do in the first place. Oh, God. Let's look at this for just a minute. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was snake-bitten. The very snake that bit him should have proved him of his past, who he was, that in that day was a meaning that he was a murderer. And Paul, before he became Paul, was a murderer. He was Saul, the one who assassinated Christians. But when he was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, 
he was able to shake that off into the fire. Because when he is in Christ, those things of which he used to be have not power over him anymore. So he takes those very same snake-bitten hands. And the Bible said that he laid hands on the chief of the island. That he was shipwrecked on and snake-bitten on and accused as a murderer and accused of things that he used to be. But when you're in the peace of the Lord, you can't be troubled. You can't be shaken. You can't be moved. You can't be withdrawn. And the Bible said he laid hands on the chief of the island. That man was healed and many others on the island were healed that day. That's why Paul could say things like, I was shipwrecked thrice. I was beaten this many times. I've been in prison this many times. But that's why he would write things like, it is in him that I live. It is in him that I move. It is in him that I have my being. He said, I'm going to be living in Christ no matter what you do to me. I'm going to be moving in Christ no matter where you put me in Christ. Is where I find my being. There's something about somebody that knows who they are and knows in whom they are. God wants to use us to do things in this city that we have never done before. And God wants to use us to take us to places we've never gone before. But it won't happen unless we rest in Christ Jesus. Because it is in Him that I live. When I wake up tomorrow, my breath will be in Him. When I move tomorrow, my movement will be in Him. When I rest my head at night, my being, the essence of who I am, will be in Him. Whether I wake up in the morning or I go on to eternity, whether I do anything that I think I'm supposed to do or not, it's all in Him. We used to sing that song, it's all in Him. It's all when you go to work tomorrow. Do it in Him. When you talk to your family that isn't saved, do it in Him. And those fruit that are on the vine will help you adequately minister to the times that we live in. Colossians 2. Colossians 2 verses 9 and 10. Watch. For in Him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead. In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's the verse we all like, right? But then go to the next verse. And ye are complete in Watch, which is the head of all. Some of y'all need to look at the cancer and remind it who the head of it is. Some of y'all need to look at the demonic forces that have tried to rob you and remind them who you're in. Remind them who you're in. You're not in another. You're in God. And if you're in Him, He is the head and not the tail. He is above and not beneath. 
They tried, but they couldn't kill him. They came after him, but they couldn't stop him. And if you're in him, no devil in or out of hell. There's some folks uh, that need to get a holy boldness uh, and get in Christ uh, and do a work. I'm almost done. You look at Colossians 2 and 9, verse 10. You look at it in the NIV. It literally means to be brought to fullness. It says, in Him, you have been brought to the fullness. Why should that excite you? Why is that important? Because in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father. Even so we, someone say that's me, we were children. We were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, someone say that's me. God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is all right here. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And if God is who you're getting your inheritance from, he said, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. He said, my train fills the temple. That means he's never lost a battle. And if we are sons in him. If you're a son in him, that means you are an heir to this moment. The Bible says, that Christ came in the fullness of time. That means when it was the perfect time. Anybody know that song? He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on. He's an on-time God, right? So you look all throughout Scripture. God always had a man for the time. God had a Moses when there was an Egypt. God had a Joshua when there was a Jordan. Let me preach to you. God had a Gideon when there was a Midian that was trying to wear him out. God had an Esther when the genocide of the Jews was going to rise up. God always had a person called to the time. And if you now have been born for this time, such are some of you. You were born right here, right now. But Christ redeemed you. And Christ bought you. And Christ saved you. And so that means you were born for right now. And and you have been brought to the fullness. What? Because you're in Christ. Wherefore, you used to be a child to the beggarly elements of sin. But right now, you're not a child anymore. 
God has called you for such a time as this. And just as Mordecai told Esther, I'm going to tell you, if you don't do it, God will raise somebody else up who will. There's a city to be saved. There's souls right now that need a miracle. There's a world that needs to be turned upside down. And guess what? I'm looking for the sons and the daughters that have been called for such a time as this. This is the finest hour of the church and you're here for it this is the great do you believe that you're called for the time if you believe it I want you to lift your voices right now that ain't the voice of somebody that's believed let me help you. There's two types of sons in the parable of the prodigal son. One son who leaves, commits sin, and doesn't believe he's good enough to be a son anymore because of the sin that he has committed. So he's willing to come back to the father's house and adopt the role of a servant. But that's never been the will of the father. God says, I'm going to kill the fatted calf. I'm going to put new clothes on you. He said, I'm going to give you my ring. That wasn't just any ring. That was the ring that signified the father's name. He said, not only am I going to give you new clothes, and not only am I going to feed you, but I'm also going to give you my name so that you can operate where my authority is. And so there are some of you in here that are sons, but you have gone off and you have failed and you have made mistakes and you've come back to the house of God, accepting the role of a servant. And God's looking at you and saying, I never intended for you to be a servant when I redeemed you. I never intended for you to be. I don't care what you went and what you did. I've got my name on your life. I want to make you new again and I want to restore you to what you once were. I'm here to preach to somebody. God needs you to get back to being a son. God needs you to rise up and be who he's called you to be. And then the other son is the one that has the access to all the authority, all the power, never left, never did what the other son did, but is okay with acting like a servant. Because he doesn't know who he is. And the father looked at him and says, Don't you know that all that I have is yours? And that's where some of us are at. We don't even realize the keys that we have in our hands right now for God to do a work that he's trying to do in this place right now. I didn't say tomorrow. Right now. But you've got to unlock your mind and believe you are who God has called you to be for such a time as this. I'm here to preach to both sons and to both daughters. It's time for you to rebuke condemnation and be who God has called you to be. And let me preach to the son that's been here for a long time but won't be who God has called you to be. It's time for you to rise up, take on your apostolic authority, and go forward into the kingdom for such a time as this I wish I had some mamas and some daddies and some young men and some young ladies that would rise up today and say I'm going to walk in sonship I'm going to be who God has called me to be if I'm in Him 
We all like this verse. Stay standing. I'm done. No music yet. Now unto him that is able. Quote it with me if you can quote it. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh. That's Jesus. But watch when he said when it's accessible. When? So not tomorrow. Not next week. Not a month from now. Not a year from now. When is the power that worketh in you accessible? So if you really want to be who God called you to be, why not do it now? Why not be who you are in Christ Jesus now? Why are you waiting for somebody else to preach it to you? Why are you waiting for another season to come and go? Why don't you rise up? Right now, lay hands on your brother. Lay hands on your sister. Let's have what God wants us to have. Stand with me. Not yet. I want you to lift your hands right now. And I want you to begin to repent of anything that's standing in the way from you being what God has called you to be. Sin is the only thing that will stop you from being in Christ. I want you to lift your voices right now. And we're going to have mass repentance across this whole building. From the left to the right. If you don't know how to repent, it's just telling God you're sorry for anything maybe you've done. Anything that has been in you. Anything that you have said, you have thought, you have committed. That there would be a washing of the blood of Calvary right now. Every voice right now. I want you to begin to repent of anything that's in the way. Come on. Lord, wash me with the blood of the Lamb. Lord, cleanse me by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, take the blood and redeem me right now. I have been a son, but I have acted like a servant. Forgive me, Father. Come on. We're going to have a mindset change. I feel God is wanting to birth the miraculous in this place right now. And the way to the miraculous is for you to be in Christ. And if you're in Christ and there is a need, he said, I give the need you. You're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to be healed. You're going to pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost. You're going to do it. Come on, lift those voices right now. Lift those voices right now. From the left to the right. From the front to the back. Every voice under heaven. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now, if you are physically capable, I want you to join me in this altar right now. If you're physically able, I want you to join me right now in this altar. Come on, I need you to come. If, you're, if you know what's about to happen, I need you to come. And I need you to begin to intercede. I need some of those folks that are tapped in and walking after the Spirit right now. I need you to lift your voice. And I need you to begin to intercede on behalf of some folks. Come on. If you can make it to this altar, come to this altar right now. If you can make it to this altar, come to this altar right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Press in. Press in. Press in. Come on. There's plenty of room for everybody. I want you to lift those voices right now. 
I need some folks that are ready to pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost. I need some folks that you're getting ready for God to use you in a way you've never been used. I need you to lift your hands right now. I need you to lift your voices right now. There's more room in this altar. Come on. There's more room in this altar. Press in. Press in. There's plenty of room over here to my right, your left. Press in. That's it. Press in. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. God's about to pour out His Spirit in this place. There's about to be many that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now. There's about to be many that get healed right now. That's it, that's it. Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Come on, you don't have to be ashamed in the presence of God. Now, I want everybody's attention for just a second. There's about to be a great outpouring of God's Spirit right now. If you're in this place, you're in this altar, and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you want to receive it right now for the first time, I want you to lift your hand if you're in this altar. Or maybe you're not in this altar. I want you to lift your hand. Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about what's around you. If you want to receive the Spirit of God, you want it to come and live on the inside, I want you to lift your hands right now. If you've never received the Spirit of God, there's some hands lifted. That's it. I want some of my friends that are filled with the Holy Ghost to go stand by somebody with their hands lifted right now. It's all right. Don't be worried. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I want every eye closed right now. Every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Nobody wondering what's about to happen. I want every eye closed. Nobody's looking. Nobody's worried. I want you to lift your hand right now if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're in this altar. Lift your hands. That's it. Come on, lift your hands. I see some hands lifted. I see some hands lifted. That's it. That's it. Beautiful. This is nothing to be ashamed about. This is about to be a beautiful outpouring of the Spirit of God in this room. That's it. That's it. Now I want you to keep that hand lifted. I want my ministry team to find somebody with their hands lifted right now. I want somebody that wants God to use them in a new way to find somebody with their hands lifted right now. Come on, let's move. Don't wait. Don't don't slow down. Let's move right now. Come on, let's move. That's it. That's it. That's it. Find them. That's it. Now, before you pray for them, I want us one more time. I just feel like we need to do this again. I want every person in this room to repent of anything that's in the way. I don't feel like we did it fully yet. We need to cleanse ourselves right now. I want you to lift your hands all across the house. Those that are getting ready to pray for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost, lead them through repentance with you. Lord, wash me by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, forgive me of anything that's in my heart, anything that's in my mind, anything that's in my life, anything that I've said. Come on, that's it. Anything that I have done, anything, Lord, that is within me, God, forgive me, Lord. I don't want anything standing in the way of me receiving your spirit right now. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Come on, that's beautiful. Do you feel that moving in here? This is the sacrifice of which the fire will fall. Repentance is the sacrifice of which the fire will fall. 
Now, I want your attention for just a second. I want your attention for just a second. Thank you. Thank you. If you know somebody around you that needs the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to go to them, even if they haven't raised their hands. If you know that somebody is here that needs the Holy Ghost, I want you to go to them right now. Come on, we're going to be bold right now. I want you to look around. If you know somebody, you know people that I don't know, I want you to go to them right now. Go. Don't wait. Move. Come on. Come on, Eastwind. We know what we're going to do here. Let's move. Let's move. That's it. Now, if you're seeking the Holy Ghost for the very first time, I want you to hear me. It's called the gift of the Holy Ghost. That means you don't have to beg for it because you don't have to beg for a gift. It's something that's given. And this is what we're going to do in just a moment. The Bible says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. So we're going to look up because that's where our redemption is coming from. And also, we're not going to be distracted by anything that's around us. We're not going to let anything around us distract us. So we're going to close our eyes. And then what we're going to do is when you hear in Jesus' name, you're going to shout the word hallelujah. And when you shout hallelujah, it is a sound of praise. And when you praise God, he said, I will come and inhabit where I am praised. That means he will come and dwell in. So what you're going to do when you hear in Jesus' name, you're going to shout hallelujah. And the next words out of your mouth is going to be the sign that the Holy Ghost has come and lived on the inside of you. That is a stammering lip and a new tongue. You're going to speak something you've never heard yourself speak before. And let me tell you something. You're not going to be strange because everybody here that's got the Holy Ghost, we all speak in tongues because that's what they did in the book of Acts. So... If you're ready to receive the Holy Ghost and you're ready for this outpouring, I want every hand in this house lifted. I want every eye looked up towards heaven and I want us to close our eyes. I don't want us looking around at anything. Now, I want you to start thinking, I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. Think on it. Lord, you're going to fill me with the Holy Ghost right now. You're going to fill me with the Holy Ghost right now. I need all of Eastwind to help me. When you hear in Jesus' name, I want you to let there be a shout of praise that erupts in this house. Are you ready? Upon the authority of the Word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that is upon this Word, I speak right now that every empty vessel would be filled with the Spirit of God. Are you ready to shout? In Jesus' name, receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. Saith God in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Loose your tongue in Jesus' name. Lay your hand on their head and speak the word of faith. They shall receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. Don't be looking around. Loose your tongue and receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
you've got to speak it out. If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, you can't seek it quietly. Open your mouth and begin to speak, and God will fill you with His Spirit. Saith God in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's it. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. One has received the Holy Ghost. Come on, we need to rejoice right now. Lift your voices. God is pouring out His Spirit right now. Come on, that's it. That's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, Eastwind. Let's shout unto the Lord. Let's praise God. God is wanting to use you right now. That's it. That's it. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah.
us to lift our hands right now all across this house. God's about to do another wave of this. I want everybody to listen. We've already had at least four receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want every hand lifted all across the house. We're going to be, there's going to be one more wave. If you have not received the Holy Ghost yet, I need you to listen to me. It's all right. You have to let your voice go. A lot of times when we're trying to understand receiving the Holy Ghost, we try to logic our way into it because we as humans are logical people. So we try to think, how can I receive it? How can I do it? But the thing about God is, is he operates by faith and faith is not logical. So what you've got to do is you have to lift your hands. Like I said, close your eyes. Think about the Holy Ghost. Think about receiving the Spirit of God. And you have to use your voice to project what's about to come out of you. So if you try to do it with your mouth closed and without any voice being released, it's not going to happen. That's why we say shout hallelujah. Because as you are using your voice, the Lord is going to take your voice over and he's going to speak a new language out of you right now. One more time. We've already had at least four receive it. I want every hand lifted all across this house. Those that are still here, I want you to help me and we're going to shout hallelujah when we hear in Jesus' name. If you know somebody that's seeking the Holy Ghost, I want you to get with them right now. That's it. That's it. If you know somebody that's still seeking the Holy Ghost, get with them. They're going to receive it right now. Tell yourself, I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost right now. Tell yourself, I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost right now. Now, when every hand lifted, when you hear in Jesus' name, I want you to shout hallelujah. Are you ready for this next wave of the Holy Ghost? If you're ready, shout amen. amen. Upon the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus. Right now, I command that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue upon the authority of your word and the power that's in your name and the anointing that is in this room right now. Receive ye the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Now shout hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Speak in tongues in Jesus' name. Receive.